Welcome to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Zips Magazine. Today on the show is Craig, one of the hosts of the Puzzle Warriors 3 podcast, to talk about the world of popular culture the week that the San Diego Comic-Con kicks off. We talk about which comics we are currently reading, the summer of superhero movies, what we have seen and haven't seen, what we liked and didn't like, the just-completed season of Doctor Who, and what we think will happen going forward, and lots about Marvel Puzzle Quest and their podcast about it, including how they got started, tips and secrets about playing the game, comparing it to other match three games, and more. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. back to the Winter Palace. It's San Diego Comic-Con week, so we figured we'd do a show discussing a myriad of popular culture topics, from comics to TV to sports to video games and whatever else we can think of. So, on the show today, please welcome Craig from the Puzzle Warriors 3 podcast. How's it going, Craig? It's great. How's it, how's it going over there? Uh, it's good. We, we had some technical issues to to start so we are recording a little later than we had planned but it looks like all systems are go and so we are a going i guess uh since it's san diego week i guess we'll start with comics and it sounds like from what you guys have talked about on your show that you were like a lapsed comics guy but have just gotten back into it do i have that about right yeah i probably quit reading comics for Oh, my God, almost 30 years, probably. Uh, and then I started listening to, as as he would say, friend of the show, Joe Sposto and uh, Todd over on Longbox. And they, you know, told me all about the Future Quest comic that was coming out. Uh, being a big Johnny Quest fan, I'm like, well, I got to check that out. And then that that started to slide back into the uh, back into the comic universe. Well, I should I should probably logically say at this point that we had Jeff Parker on the show last year, right about the time that came out. So if uh, there are other people out there who like the DC Hanna Barbera stuff that they've been doing, and then the uh, recent Warner Brothers stuff, uh, you can go back in the archives and find that episode. Um, yeah, so it seems like they've had a big hit with the. Um, with their sort of tune books, because um, I know the Flintstones book has gotten lots of critical acclaim, and the yep. the Johnny Quest uh, future Hanna Barbera book was really good, and there is going to be more at some point. I don't think they've actually said what or when yet. And then we had um, the DC Hanna Barbera crossovers a month or two ago, yeah, and you you were on. Uh, Longbox here is talking about that, and then the past couple weeks we had the DC Warner Brother classic Warner Barbera crossover, and there were there were a handful of those. Um, did you read any of those? 
The the only one I got was the Batman Omer Fudd, and it was awesome. Like, what a well-written book. Like, the, the way they took those characters and brought them into Batman's universe, I thought was really clever. Yeah, and that's written by uh, the guy... Uh, Tom King, right? Yeah, it's the guy that's currently writing writing the Batman book, and uh, I would say if people aren't reading... I would say that's that may arguably be DC's best book right now. I would say, the like, both of the Bat books, the Batman and Detective, are both really good, and I would say those two books, along with along with Flash, are probably my three favorite DC books right now. There was a really great issue that was sort of a done-in-one a, a few months ago where Batman met Swamp Thing that Tom King wrote, and that's, that's a great sort of done-in-one if people want to get a taste of what Tom King's Batman book looked like. Yeah, there uh, a couple of the of those DC uh, Warner Brother books I thought were were really clever, and it's the neat thing about them was they sort of did a thing where the main story was sort of set in the DC universe, where they sort of superheroed up the Warner Brothers characters, and then most of them had a backup strip where it was the opposite, where they tunified the DC right. characters. Like, there's a... There was a Jonah Hex Yosemite Sam that also involved Foghorn Leghorn. That was really good. There was a there was a Wonder, uh, Wonder Woman Tasmanian Devil one, which was sort of done in a way I wouldn't have expected. Um, was it, there, was, there was Bugs Bunny and the Legion. That one was... That one was pretty good. And then I think sort of the most clever one maybe was the Martian Manhunter, Marvin Martian one where John had to try and stop Marvin from, from blowing up the Earth as, as he is wont to do. But yeah, yeah I... And that one, I, I really wanted Marvin to win because I really hate the Martian Manhunter as a character, and boy, I wish he would just become extinct. Is this... Is, there, is it because he has too many powers? Is it because he's, he's got all the powers? He has every power in the DC universe, I swear, and better than most people who have them as their only power. That's why it was funny that when he when he was sort of like only in the Justice League because he was always a good guy to have because they didn't always have Superman depending on like which Justice League was going on. But yeah, he's got like. Basically, all of Superman's powers, plus he can turn invisible, plus he can shape change, right. plus he's a telepath. So, yeah, it's – and it's funny that somebody that powerful, and you read some of those wacky Silver Age stories where, you know, it's like this super powerful guy, yet his weakness is just fire. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, the thing where he's about to take out some bad guy, and the guy's, like, smoking a cigar, and suddenly he's like, oh, I'm weak. And you know, and so they put him in some kind of death trap, and you're like, wait, you're like the most powerful guy in this, in this universe, and it's just fine. You know, it's sort of like Green Lantern's, you know, being yellow. vulnerable to yellow, and it's like, yeah. you know, why did everybody just paint themselves as yellow? You know, it's like well, once you know, uh, on Mars, the atmosphere is so thin, there's no fire, so you know, he's got no defenses. But there have been, yeah, there have been a couple, there have been a couple really good versions of, of Mars, the. The Ostrander Mandrake version from like the mid and late nineties, two thousand. That's a really good version. But then you know that's you know Ostrander and I think it was Mandrake. It was like the same guys that worked on the Spectre. Like 
they were a great team on that book on both of those books. Yeah. See, I also don't like his name that he's Martian Manhunter. Shouldn't he be like Martian Martian Hunter? Like he's not. He wasn't. You know, he's not hunting men normally. You know, he's. Except that when he came to Earth, he became a police. <laughs> he became a police detective. So I get. And then yeah, and then it's just you know, John. It, it's very convenient that like he comes to Earth and he has he his name translates to like the most generically yeah named John Jones yeah yeah I guess that'll help you blend in yeah. But uh, I'm primarily a Marvel guy. Are you? Are you mostly on the DC side? Of I that? I am historically, historically a DC guy, in like the 70s and 80s, and then, um, I sort of, I became gradually sort of disenchanted with DC around, right around the time they did New 52, mm-hmm. and I sort of said, this is a good time for me to make a clean break, you know, like I've been reading. DC books for like 35 years or 40 years or however, whatever it was at that point. And so I just sort of dropped DC cold except for some of, I think some of the Vertigo stuff or some of the out of universe stuff. And so I was mainly reading Marvel and independence and all that kind of other stuff. But I kind of came back when, when rebirth started between, you know, them sort of promising a more sort of back to basics, not necessarily apologizing for what they did, but sort of saying, you know, we may have gone away from, you know, our core characters, and now with this this latest revamp, and they've also got a bunch of really talented creators there now. Like, you know, they sort of, I don't know if you could say they took Tom, Tom King from Marvel because he had done Omega Men at DC, right? But certainly he had he was starting to be known as because. He did the the Vision miniseries. I don't know mm-hmm. if you read that, but that was probably like I think the best superhero book last year. Um, and they're reprinting it now uh, with sort of as a director's cut. They're reprinting two issues at a time with the script and notes and all that kind of stuff. So if people missed the boat the first time, I would certainly encourage them to get these new ones that have all this sort of like extra commentary material in them. But uh, it's it's funny. I thought there was there were there were a bunch of really good Marvel books, and then after Secret Wars, um, some of their creators have left or have like decreased their output, and so there's still a hand. The thing with DC and Marvel is they're both publishing over 50 books, so mm-hmm. even if you only sort of read a smattering of them, there are still some really good books. It's you know, I really like the stuff that Al Ewing's doing, who also was on the pod not that long ago. You know, he's doing Ultimates and U.S. Avengers and Royals. And I would say for the people uh, who thought they tried to shove the Inhumans down our throat and sort of <laughs> push back, um, this book is actually kind of good because what they did is they took most of the Inhuman royal family and they shot them into space. So Which is where they belong. <laughs> it's just, it's just at least on the dark side of the moon. Well, see, you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember when they actually moved from the Himalayas <laughs> to the moon. You know, and I guess it's sort of where they've had their most success because when they were sort of part of the cosmic line, you know, during that War yeah. of King stuff, like I guess maybe ten years ago now, that's when that's probably been their highest profile. So that. I haven't read. I'm not really reading any of the other Inhuman stuff because 
I was one of those people that said, yeah, the humans are not a substitute for the X-Men. Exactly. And yeah, there's, and there's, a, you know, a jillion of them now, and these characters I don't know, and I, I mean, the humans always had weird powers, but a lot of these newer guys have really weird powers. And so I'm content to sort of just stick with this one book because it's not part of what's going on with the rest of the humans, and it's sort of really not part of Secret Empire, so that I don't have to deal with that right now. Um, but yeah, I, like all of his books, I think, are good and they're all different. That U.S. Avengers is a very sort of throwback, sort of straight-ahead superhero book that's also kind of funny. Ultimates is one of those really weird cosmic books that, you know, Jim Starlin used to do in the 70s where they've got all these, those giant space, uh, giant powerful characters like, you know, the in-betweener and chaos and order and Galactus and all these big super, super cosmic guys plus, you know, a handful of the people that have been in the book for like the last couple of years like, um... Black Panther and Captain, or not Captain Marvel, um, Monica Rambeau and uh, America Chavez and people like that. And they've actually used characters from uh, the old Marvel New Universe, which is kind of kind of cool for us old enough, people old enough to remember that. But I, I know, I think the Marvel book that I think you are most uh, eager about is probably the infamous Iron Man Doctor Doom book. Yeah, it is great. I'm I'm super enjoying that, and uh, I read through the the unworthy Thor, and that was tremendous. Um, so I'm excited for Thor to for the Odin son to come back because, long story, I can't stand you know, current Thor. So as soon as the quicker she's dead, the better. Uh, so once the Odin son comes back, but yeah, Doctor Doom is Iron Man. I'm like, this can't be any good. And then I read it, I'm like, all right, this is really good. It's it's an interesting take on Doctor Doom. And uh, what's happening with his mother and Reed Richards, and uh, it's kind of a different take on the in the Marvel universe. I think it, you get a different perspective on Doom. Now, do you think I don't? Do you think that the Reed Richards that has shown up in this book is the real Reed Richards, or do you think I I would not be surprised if it's not Ultimate Reed Richards who yeah. who is the make you know, the guy that wears the big tin hat. You know, yeah, I think I think it definitely has to be ultimate. I mean, I don't think they're bringing Reed himself back. I think he he is gone. But uh, yeah, I think it's ultimate Reed Richards who is decidedly more on the evil side of things. Although they seem to be teasing that when they relaunch the the Marvel books in a couple of months with this legacy thing, that that the the Marvel two in one thing book I think starts with the the thing and the torch. And yeah. I think they're dro they're at least dropping hints, I mean, maybe a swerve, that that could be where Reed and Sue and the kids come back, or it could be misdirection. But it's the kind of thing they've now been gone, you know, long enough. It's that thing, the Fantastic Four is one of those books that I know a lot of people think has sort of gotten been there done that like it's been around for 50 years and it's like how many different how many more ways can you like break up the family you know they've killed off each of them i think at one point or another you know and it's you know it's like what can you really do and and hickman did such weird big picture stuff with them 
you know, like in the last four or five years that in a way sort of leaving them off the board for a while may be just what you need to revitalize them because that's sort of what they did with Thor. I mean, Thor was on the shelf for a while before they finally brought him back. You know, and and that, you know, whichever version of Thor Jason Aaron's been writing has just been great. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, if somebody comes up, somebody has a new idea for the FF that, you know, will sort of revitalize them and isn't just them changing the colors of their costume or giving them, like, a new supporting cast. If somebody has an, a good idea, I would love to see them finally come back. Yeah. So that was a book that I never could get into as a kid. Um, I mostly read Avengers and then X-Men. Um, and, well, and, you know, the option, like, you know, the, my, my Hasbro tie-ins. Like, I loved G.I. Joe and, and uh, Transformers. Those comics I read religiously. Um, but yeah, I was always either Avengers or X-Men, and I read those mostly until, you know, X-Men started to blow up into having 17 books or whatever the, uh, you know, ludicrous number it got to at one point. And I just couldn't buy that many stories. Like, I don't, I don't want to read one story through half a dozen books to know what's going on. So that it's kind of at that point that I, I phased out because I just, I just didn't want to keep up with it. Uh, is that also since you were reading X Men at the time? Is that where is that where your love of Dazzler came from? <laughs> Dazzler is great. No one gives poor uh, poor Dazzler any love, but uh, she's actually really quite strong as a mutant. They just tend to downplay it quite a bit. At, at least they they did uh, you know give her a, a shining moment there in the uh, X Men versus Inhumans when uh, you know the, uh, they decided they needed to go and take out the royal family. And they just sent Dazzler to take out Black Bolt. Because, you know, she goes over, he yells at her. You know, nothing happens. They knock him out. Because he's got, you know, nothing that can affect her. She just absorbs all the sound and off she goes. But, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I, I, I still campaign with her. It's, you know, it's become a running joke on our show and then uh, with the developers of, of Marvel Puzzle Quest that I campaign with them every time I talk to them that, will you please get me Dazzler and... It will never happen because they don't ever want to please me that much. But uh, I still bring it up. Presumably your best hope would be if she actually is in the third – can you call it the third X – whatever number the next X-Men movie would be, the one that's going to be set, I guess, the Dark Phoenix one, I guess set in the 80s maybe. Yeah, she, she's going to be in it. I mean they, they teased her some as a you know, record cover. In the last one, when all the uh, young X-Men went to, like, a record store, uh, Scott picked up, like, you know, a Dazzler LP for a second on screen. So she, she's coming. She's going to be in Dark Phoenix. I hope that might get something going. But, I mean, you know, she they, when they ran the A-Force comic, um, you know, she was one of the prime members of that team. And I was hoping maybe that would help out and maybe they could tease her as being a uh, A-Force member, not a, not a mutant slash X-Men which uh, they put the kibosh on for a, quite a while in uh, in Puzzle Quest. But would you be ha- would you be happy with any version? I mean, do you need them to bring back? Do you need '70s Disco Dazzler, or would you be happy with any version? Uh, I will take any. I mean, Modern Dazzler is fine. I, I just like that. You know, Allison, I just like all the way around. Um, she's had an interesting life as well as all the mutants seem to do. But uh, you know, in that game, you tend to get variants over time. So they could give me modern one now and then, 
you know, a year from now, give me uh, Disco Dazzler <laughs> version. I'd be just as happy. Did uh, so uh, right now. I'm basically reading. Yeah, the, it's the infamous Iron Man, um, Thor. I'm gonna start picking up uh, now that uh, it's. I really like where the story is going, and and it's getting rid of Jane Foster, which is good for me. Um, I'm reading The Damned. Um, is that an image? I don't remember who makes it. Oh, that's an Oni Press. Yeah. I don't know if you read that. That one's really good. I really enjoy that. Uh, I'm reading the... Uh, oh, what is it? Something of the Dark Power, the Dark Crystal? Um, kind of an old flashback to Dark Crystals again. Right. Um, what else am I reading? Uh, Hellblazer, I've gotten back into. Uh, Lucifer, I enjoy. So I'm starting to mix up a few more uh, non-Marvel books, but I'm back on X-Men. X-Men Gold is is what I'm reading, because uh, that's more of the X-Men that I know and love. Um, you know, you've got Kitty Pride, you've got Colossus. You know, these, these are X-Men that, to me, are always you know will always be X-Men. Right. Um, speaking of the Marvel movies, have you seen Spider-Man yet? I have not. I'm going on uh, Thursday. Uh, we uh, I always go to the movies with a with a crew of uh, police officers uh, that I hang out with, and uh, due to scheduling conflicts, we weren't able to go yet. So uh, this is uh, Tuesday when we record this. So I'll be going in a couple days to go check out Spider-Man. I'm super excited. I, I, I what, the the glimpse they gave me of Spider-Man in Civil War was finally the Peter Parker that I've always wanted on screen. You know, he 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 was telling the you know the the stupid quips and jokes while trying to fight and like I think this actor has finally gotten Peter Parker right for me. Um, so I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to to you know to the full movie. I hear nothing but good things. Yeah, I would say it's easily the best of the three superhero movies from this summer, and Michael Keaton is really really good as as the Vulture. It's it's the kind of thing where you know when you cast like a great actor as the villain and you don't necessarily have them ham it up, but you give him sort of the right stuff to do. Mm. You know he was he was really there's there's a scene um, with him that one of my friends said uh, he thought was like one of the five best scenes in like any superhero movie. It's just it's I don't want I don't want to say too much, but. It's he's very intense and he's intense, uh, but also sympathetic, but kind of chilling all like at the same time. So it's it's a really great scene. But uh, yeah, it's I mean the only real complaint I've seen people have is you know sort of you know how much Iron Man do you really need in a Spider Man movie? But yeah, you know he's he's it's only a couple scenes and he's there sort of. For plot, like he's there for plot reasons, and they make sense. And I mean, it's not like Spider-Man needs the rub from Iron Man. Certainly, you know, logic says it's the other way around. But you know, it's you know, I thought I thought maybe you know, there's maybe one scene too much, but he wasn't really in there long enough to be a detriment. And I loved all the sort of Easter eggs that are hidden in there, like um. It's like pay close attention to a lot of the henchmen that work for Michael Keaton because a lot of them have uh, they're sort of subtle 
references to really old Silver Age Spider-Man villains. Like they're not, they're not. A couple of them are obvious, but a couple of them aren't obvious. But so, so you sure have to pay attention. So that's that's my uh, that's my one piece of advice. Uh, did you like it uh, more or less than than Guardians Two? I did not like Guardians Two. Really? So um, I thought it was fine. I my my problem was I thought a lot of the stuff that made Guardians One good and different from all the other ones they sort of went way too overboard on. It's like the first one, you know, okay, we've got all these cool '70s songs. So in the second one, we're just gonna it's gonna be wall to wall songs. It's like twice as many as the first one, and then it's like too many gags and a lot of the gags were went on way too long it's it's that weird thing about you know the funny unfunny funny again comedy you know it was the 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 sideshow bob rake theory (laughs) like but to me those gags didn't get to the funny again point like the scene when groot has to get the fin Uh it was like Hey guys, you know Rule of Comedy three? It's not like Rule of Comedy seven. See, I think I've gotten spoiled by too many years of like Family Guy, where you know where you can just see Peter curled up on the ground, hissing in agony for minutes and minutes and minutes at a time in one episode. See, I am I am <laughs> I am strongly anti Family Guy, so like that's not that type of thing doesn't is it for me? So like you know. I thought, you know, Kurt Russell was really good in some of the... Uh, I love uh, it when they had him dressed up as Fat Jim Morrison from, from the early 70s. It was, you know, <laughs> late 60s, early 70s. He looked just like Jim Morrison when uh, L.A. Woman came out. It cracked me up. But, you know, I thought, I mean, I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was, I thought it was fine and a lot of overkill. I mean, I thought, I mean, I liked Wonder Woman better. But then I had some issues with some of the stuff in Wonder Woman. But Spider-Man is definitely the best of the three. Yes, yeah, so Guardians for me, they're they're kind of a ridiculous team that I can never get behind anyway. So the more over the top it is as the movie, kind of the better that is for me because I'm not going to take them seriously as a group to start with. See, in a way, being being old, I sort of popped more for the cameo from the Silver Age Guardians than necessarily like the current version. I was just like. I'm like, Vorsha was like, oh, it's Michelle Yeoh. And then it's like, you know, oh, there's, oh, he's supposed to be Charlie 27. Oh, it's, it's actually the Silver Age Guardians. That's cool. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, being an old nerd, I sort of appreciate that kind of stuff maybe more than sort of the current stuff. But that's just me. Uh, before we get to the Puzzle Quest talk, I know you are a Doctor Who fan, so I guess I am. I guess I guess I will. Well, first, uh, how did you think? What did you think of the season that just ended? I thought it got really solid at the end. My, my here's my the problem with the last few seasons, the the Capaldi era, is that I thought when he first came on the show, the writing was bad. I thought he did a fine job acting, given what he was given to work with. This last season, however, I think they finally started to get their stride right in time for him to go. So it was kind of bittersweet to me. I thought I thought this season got better, and then they, you know, to write him out. Yeah, I think 
I was one of those people that when they cast him, I thought that was going to be great because he's arguably sort of like the best actor that's ever played the Doctor. You know, it's sort of, you know, it's like, well, you've got John Hurt for one time, but, yep. you know, that's sort of like, it's almost like an asterisk. It's like that almost doesn't really count. But Capaldi is certainly like the best guy to ever been the Doctor to me. And he was a longtime fan growing up, so he brought that with him too. Yep. And then it's like, I was I was one of those people that was really hoping that we were done with Clara the season before that. <laughs> so I was not happy that he was sort of stuck with her for, to waste one of his seasons. Yeah, I, 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 well, we, uh, um, I, I'm sure you know, I have some disagreements with a lot of the Who universe about uh, which companions are good or not. Um, I thought Clara was just fine. She, you know, she was nothing special. I mean, to me... I mean, I grew up, probably you did too, watching Tom Baker on PBS uh, back in the day. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, after that, I never really watched Who again until, you know, the rebirth when, uh, when uh, Eccleston came, you know, it was, and I thought he was fantastic. I, I really wish he had been able to settle his problems with the production folks and do more than one season because I thought him and Rose were tremendous. Um, and then you go into Tenant, and Tenant was just phenomenal. Like, what a great actor. Um, Matt Smith was a little too boyish and flamboyant for me, but if you look at, like, the history of Who and all, you can kind of see the progression. You know, because you had John Hurt, you know, you know, if you, you rewind it back, you know, he, he's your war doctor. You know, he's he's the one who's really killing everyone, you know. He's taking, you know, it, in the kind of the grand scheme, you know, he's taking out the Time Lords, he's taking out the Daleks, you know, he his his he's in bad shape. So, you know, Eccleston is the Doctor. After that, is someone who's trying to, you know, a struggling to regain his place in the universe, so to say, and to try to live with that guilt. Um, and Tennant's kind of the in between between Eccleston and Smith, so. He transitions into, you know, I can think as you watch over the years, he gets less intense, more flippant, I think. And then you get into Matt Smith, who's a much more kind of free-flowing doctor. Um, and then you get back into, so you go from that end to a much more cranky old doctor on the flip. So then we'll, we'll see how, uh, how the new doctor rolls. And I just hope that the rating can make this not bad. I because I, it, you know there's already you're already gonna have people who won't like it because she's a woman, right? But the way they wrote Missy, I loved Missy as the master. I thought she was great. So if they can write the new Doctor in an engaging way, it'll be it'll be fine. But if the writing is poor, I think you're gonna hear a lot of jeers about you know getting rid of this quick. Yeah, I I am. I have trepidation with the – I'm not really a big Chris Chibnall fan. Like, I was I was not really a fan if you go back and look at the episodes that he wrote for Russell. And I certainly – I was not a fan of, like, the really a Torchwood ever. Like, certainly, the, certainly I did not like the first season of Torchwood. I stopped watching it. And then, you know <laughs> – you, 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 put, you put Jack on anything, and I'm going to watch it. I love Jack Harkins. See, I told somebody yesterday I'm afraid 
especially since Chibnall was the one running Torchwood, that he might not try and get, like, would they bring him back to be her companion? Boy, I would pay any amount of money to see that happen. I I would love to have Jack Harkness back full time. I think that would really make the show, but they they're not going to do it. But I think it would be great. Of course, I'm still campaigning. I really want them to do a uh, River Song spinoff show, and to show me River's life through time. I think that would also be a good show. That's be better than Class, which was only just barely okay. She's one of those characters that I think, unfortunately, had her marginal utility went down the more she kept showing up. It's like, that first episode is so great, because you were, because it was an inversion of the of, like, the companion formula, because it was like, he met somebody who already knew him from a different version, which I think right. was which was a very clever idea. But then they killed her off, like, in, you know, in the first episode. But then you know, it being Moffat, well, I mean you know, Moffat brought her back because, you know, nobody can ever stay dead when Moffat's when Moffat's writing. It's like that that was like my biggest problem I had with his writing is that like he loved killing off people but then they didn't stay dead. So it's like, well you sort of like lessen the death if I know you know, it happened so many times, it's like, you know, he killed Rory and then it's like, oh that really, really stinks and then oh no <laughs> He's back because he's now immortal, sort of, whatever. Yeah. You know, and then they sort of kill them off again, but sort of shut them off in their own thing. And then he kind of kills Clara, and then he doesn't. And then he kills her again, and doesn't. Well, and and she'll be back again for the Christmas episode. Um, from what I from what I hear, because uh, she'll be the you know she's since since her doctor is leaving. And they, they just killed off – I guess they didn't kill off Bill, but effectively they took Bill out of the story as well. Um, the, the the rumors I'm hearing is that Clara will be returning uh, for the regeneration. I wonder if that also means that uh, – But is, if that means me is coming back? Yeah, I was going to say, does that mean Maisie comes back too? Yeah, that would be awesome. But, you know, she can't be permanent either because she's got to go off and film uh, – what is she doing? New Mutants next? I think so. Yeah, I think that's where she's going after since uh, Game of Thrones is wrapped up. But yeah, well, I know I, heard, I know somebody joked that I wonder if like Clara and Maisie are going to like meet up with Bill and the the Water Chick because they they're all like all out exploring the universe, or whatever. It's like are we going to get some like buddy team up episode with like all f- you know there you know in about five years there's there's a big finish audio for you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, they, they could do the most as a you know always coming back. Um, that would be it'd be interesting. Um, but you know the the way the season ended with uh you know uh what's effectively supposed to be Doctor Number One. Um, and I thought it was the you know the clever line, you know where they make the joke of, you know the uh, the doctor's like you know no I'm not just any doctor you can call me the first doctor. And then the first doctor shows up and makes the same joke back at him, which I thought was funny. What's funny is I had I had said a couple times that I thought getting getting David Bradley since he played Hartnell in the in that movie that like 
they should get him like if Big Fish could get him to do audios as Hartnell. I thought that that would have been really clever, and then it's like they sort of upped that idea by actually having him play Hartnell in the actual show. And he was, I mean, he was so great in that movie that you know I'm gonna that I should be really looking for the thing that I really want most in the movie if if the first Doctor's going to be in it is they we've teased they teased when Clara taught at that school that that Ian was the headmaster now. And it's like, why didn't we get a cameo from William Russell at some point during that series? Because he had a cameo in the TV movie. You know, he, he played the, uh, like the, the BBC security guard or whatever, the, the, the older guy. So I'm like, why did they, you know, they said, you know, Ian was headmaster of the Coal Hill school. So it's like, why did he never appear? Because he's, I mean, he's still doing stuff. He does stuff for Big Finish. So it's like, so I'm hoping right. he'll be. I'm hoping he'll be in the, the regeneration episode, and maybe they'll, did, and maybe we'll did, use Susan, Susan too. Did you watch class? Um, I watched like the first couple, and then never really got around to watching the rest. It's I, sort of. I, have, I think I have two left on the recorder that I haven't gotten to yet. But so I mean, they they talk, and they don't really get into who's actually running that school. Like at one point, there's a there's a you know a plot and like a mysterious, you know, headmasters come in and help help out to save the earth for a minute, but they you know they don't give you any more than that. So is he in there or not? I don't know. Like they didn't. Maybe, maybe that appears in the last couple episodes I haven't gotten to yet. But from from right now, I don't know that he appears on that show either. He I don't think he I don't think he does because if he did, I would have. Yeah, we would have heard about it. Yeah. I mean, because that's... I mean, because... They filmed that a while... I mean, because that aired on the BBC a while ago before they started showing it here. So I think, yeah, we would have... We would have known about it. Um, I guess, before we go, we definitely need to talk about the Marvel Puzzle Quest. Um, I know you guys used to be in the alliance that we were all in together. Right. But how did how did the how did you guys decide to start doing the podcast? Well, you know, it was just uh, Ian and Ray and I get together, you know, usually at least once a month in person. Uh Ray and I live in the same town, but uh Ian lives about an hour and a half away. And uh every time we got together, Ian Ian was the first to start playing Puzzle Quest uh on on Steam. And then once it became a mobile, you know, you know, we had it on mobile he so he got Ray playing, and then I started playing it, and then we'd get together and we would just start talking about, you know, this character or that character. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And that and we just started talking about it all the time. And Ian was had already been doing podcasting for a while with the the Prodigal Sons podcast. And we were sitting around, and and somebody I don't even remember who, if it was one of us or one of our wives. In any case, we're sitting around, and, and it was just like, why don't we just do a podcast to talk about this? Since, since, you know, Ian's got experience, we're like, okay, so we just started doing it. We didn't know if we'd get any listeners or not get any listeners or, you know, so we just started to record it, threw it up on on Reddit and uh, kind of took off on it. So it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, and the game has changed drastically uh, since we started talking about it. And, uh, yeah, we've gone from one alliance in our group to kind of two alliances um, that we all kind of still share the same Facebook info on. But, uh yeah, it's been it's been a, it's been a fun ride, and it's really just a good excuse for 
the three of us at his talk and you know our show mostly because of me uh degenerates quite often into things that have nothing to do with puzzle quest in any way but it's just because i like to talk to my friends and you know stuff comes up and and we populate it with bad singing so um yeah so i've been yeah uh no singing here fortunately (laughs) the uh yeah i've been i've been playing for like i think almost since since the beginning um how do you think how do you think the which kind of uh what's the state of the game it's you know it's it's fair you know i guess you know your level can be either casual or intensive it's you know i'm in an intensive alliance that you know i probably do not play enough now to probably still warrant being in there but Joe still wants me in there because I tried to I tried to get relegated to your alliance, but uh, <laughs> but I think I think there was nobody in your alliance who wanted who wanted to commit to you know the minimums of of Joe's group. So you know I'm I'm hanging. I you know we came to a, a deal where it's like you know I play as much as I try to, and I don't necessarily always get to the minimum, but you know it's like. I, as long as you play the events and you play every day and you get close, I guess that's that's good enough for him for now. But uh, how do you think sort of the game is now? There's a lot more events. I think I think I look forward to the events more now than sort of just the da- the daily grind. I think is sometimes can be over, you know there are days where you just want to do the daily Deadpool and you don't want to do any more. Yeah. But but you kind of have. But you I mean I'm in a position where I have to. So I at least try and do what I need to, but... Yeah, I mean, that, that, I, I mean, to me, yeah, I think you're right. The, the game is split into kind of two sets of people. There's the people who kind of play for the fun of it, and then you have the really hardcore players, and I've long since determined that I can't hang with that group. Like, generally, in, you know, I don't really enjoy PvP. Um, I play it to usually just 300 points to get the couple of tokens. And that's all of a PvP event I will generally play. And I'll play my 2,000 points in Simulator just so I can get my 4,000 points for a season. Once I hit 4,000 in a season, I could care less if I play any more PvP or not. I, I much more prefer the story events, I, and there are slowly adding more of them, which is which is nice, because when I first started, they were really repetitive. Cause, and you saw, you know, uh, the Dream Warrior and, you know, Moonstone a thousand times a day. And I just couldn't take it for a while because <laughs> they were the only people you ever fought. Um, so at least now there, there's there's some more stories. I think the last few boss events have been really the, – the Spider-Man boss event was great. Like they did that very well. I enjoyed the, the Doctor Strange one when that one came out with Cassilius. Um, they did the Ultron event. They did the Galactus event. Um, so all of those have been really good additions to the game. Uh, you know, the big controversy in the game now, you know, is is the vaulting or not vaulting of the characters. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I think it was good for the game as much as some of the older school players don't like it. Like, it it really made it so much. The problem, I mean, there have gotten to be so many four-star characters that being able to get one to any sort of power level that was useful was getting to be impossible. Um, without spending, you know, a large amount of actual real currency, real dollars on the game. 
So by limiting the pool, you are now able to get a new character and relatively easily get them, you know, 10 or more covers fairly quickly. So I think for newer players, it's much easier for them to make the transition up to a four-star game much, much faster than it was when I started playing this game. Because going from going from two to three star was a long process. Three to four was a really, really long process. What's funny now is it seems like in the last couple of months that I've gotten like fully covered with some of the new four stars, but it's like I don't really want to like level them up yet because like I really don't necessarily use them very often or. You know, I mean, I'm I'm sort of you know I'm one of those people that's set in my ways, that you know I have my people that I play every day, and then I vary mm-hmm. it up depending on you know who's powered. But it's like, like I've already I think got I'm fully covered on four star Captain Marvel and four star Iron Fist and Riri Williams, and it's like, other than like having to play them in PvP, it's like I really don't use them very often. Like I've did champion four-star Luke Cage, but it's because I got so many covers, it was like, I can't afford to, like, really waste these. So, he sort of jumped the queue. Because there's, like, old four-stars that I actually have have been covered for a long time, but I've never gotten around to covering them because there's always somebody more ahead of them. Like, I think I've had four-star Punisher, like, covered for for a while, but there's other people that like I'd rather use, and I think I have I have Baron Mordo covered already. But it's like, right. you know, I'd rather you, you know, to me it's like more important to have, I you know, like I finally got Peggy Carter championed, and like it took me forever to get Ghost Rider and Jane Foster and Red Hulk and. But, I mean, these are people that I knew were, like, really powerful characters. I just never got the covers. And so, like, once I finally got them, I'm like, great, I can finally cover these characters. But, like, I've got so many other ones that are fully covered that... Or I've I've got such a cover imbalance that I just have to burn these covers because I know there's no way that I'm going to get to them. I think that was a problem I had when with Medusa when... You know, she was featured a couple of weeks ago, but unfortunately, I have her like at five one two, mm. and it's like, and then I started getting the covers. I kept getting the cover that I didn't need, and I'm like, there's, there's no point in holding on to this. There's no way I'm going to get six, co- you know, the six covers that I need and all of the ISO in time. So I'm like, well, it's just a thousand points on the pile. Yeah, the the ISO crunch is is really the what slows you down is you just you just don't have the 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 ISO to level up uh, the characters. I mean, it's you know getting a four star from level seventy up to champions three hundred and seventy thumb some thousand somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, and I waste a lot of ISO because again, since I'm forced to play PvP, like I've become very judicious with just skipping. So I could burn through like 200 ISO skipping matches until I find one that I I want to do. Right. Because you know people have figured out that when certain characters are powered up, you know, 
it's like, and they're super, you know, they're probably super players. So, you know, while I have, you know, I have a fairly decently covered Old Man Logan, and I've got a fairly decent five-star Doctor Strange, and I've got an okay five-star Thanos, it's like, you know, if I'm seeing people who have, like, a level four, like, a high 400, like, Captain Marvel, like, you know, playing Captain Marvel and Medusa together, which yep. is which is insane, or, you know, playing Medusa and Captain Marvel with Red Hulk since he was just recently uh, powered up, I'm like, nope, so I'm just like, skip, 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 and then I find something that I think looks decent, that I have a good chance to win, I'll do that, and then skip, 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 so, you know, I yeah. probably waste an awful lot of ISO, and plus, you know, when you get higher in PvP, I've gotten to the point where I'd rather use color boosts than use people's powers, and again, that costs money. Sure. So, you know, because, like, I, I love playing with 5-star Doctor Strange, so I almost always now, like, start with plus 2 blue-purple, because, you know, that means I'm that much closer to getting, you know, the stun... And then, you know, if you're also, and if I'm playing with, you know, if I'm playing Strange, Thanos, Black Panther, you know, you just need to get the one, you just need to kill off the one guy, and then suddenly, yep. you know, you get court death, and then you get the Panther unstunned for like 4,000 points, and that kills the second yep. guy. So, but like, my version of those characters aren't as super powerful as some of the other whales that I run up against, so... Yep. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, this game suffers a little from, like, every sort of collectible, you know, it, you know, way back in the day with with Magic. You know, you had, you have power creep that occurs over time, you know. You had the base cards, and they were balanced. And then you got a few more things, and they introduced some, you know, some interesting effects. And then they just keep, you know, upping that scale. And I, you know, there's, you know, people always give me crap about this, but I think there are characters that still need to be nerfed in this game. There's there's too many and you know this happened when they when they toned down old man meatbag uh, a little bit because they ran the numbers and Logan was being used you know in like some ridiculous percent of all wins I I don't remember what it is at the time we talked about it on our show a few months ago and we had uh, had uh, Demiurge on but uh, I I think right if they ran that right now you would see the same exact thing with Thanos. Everyone's running with court death because it's just so overpowered. And I think you're going to see it with Carol because when she gets her, her black power off, it's all, you know, it's especially when she's boosted, that's going to be an insta kill. Then you, then the court death kicks off, you know, cause you're always running her with Thanos. Like it's, it's just, it's crazy. So it's, it's getting to the point where there, yeah, there are certain teams in PVP that you just don't want to play at all. And that's not really fun. Like, I mean, I suppose every every time I'm looking at who I'm going to fight, I can change up my whole team to try and counter that one team. But you know, then then you're losing behind because the the with PvP, the you know, if you're not constantly adding points, you know, you're you're in trouble because the, the amount of points that those you know the top players generate is insane. Well, there's also nothing worse than, like, getting up in the morning and, like, playing for the first time and seeing that, like, in PvP, you suddenly, you've taken, like, minus 150 overnight. Yeah. And you're like, but do you really want to waste hero points 
On like, shields. On, on shields for when you go to bed, just to make sure that you don't lose your place. You know, that's that kind of stinks, too. I mean, sometimes you kind of... I don't usually only do that if I've been playing a lot and I've already got a good score. Because because of my work schedule, I like since I work overnight, I always play in the last slice that ends at 3 in the morning. Sure. So... You know, I'm always I'm also there to like see where the alliance is at the end of a thing, and then I know, you know, like if we're in danger of like falling below like a certain level, then I know I need to grind just to make sure that, you know, I'm a good alliance member. But yeah, it's the kind of thing where, the, you know, there's times where it's like if you hit your number and there's like four hours left, I'm just like, nope, eight hour shield, I'm done. Just I've like reached my saturation point with trying to find a team to beat or running out of health because that's like the one problem with using five-star Doctor Strange is, you know, he just, when, when you use him with Thanos is like, yeah, he just, he's frail. He, he loses, he loses his hit points. And then you like have to heal him every time you play. If you're, yeah. you know, if you're using him with Thanos and then it's like, you know, suddenly you play like four or five times and you're out of health already. And you're like, Oh, great. But yeah, I mean, I, I still think, generally speaking, it's still fun. Sometimes it's a little more like work. I certainly know that when the season's over, I love not being able, not having to play more than Deadpool Daily for like two or three days just for a rest. Yeah. Or like, you know, after an, after an event. I mean, that was, I think the good thing about that Spider-Man event a couple of weeks ago was, and again, it maybe helped being in a good alliance, but like, you know, we were done. Yeah. Like in a day and a half or something. So like yeah, I think yeah, I think within like thirty six hours we were all finished, and then you had you know like three days where you didn't have to play a story event. Like, you know, you were all caught up, and you're like, oh, this is kind of nice. Well, it's funny because because <laughs> because I woke up that afternoon and I think I had hit I had already hit level eight before I went to bed, so I already had my token. And then right. I went to bed and I woke up and I was like, oh, we've already done level eight. And I was like, well, I've done level eight and the Alliance has done level eight. So I had to like text Joe and say, I don't have to play this anymore, right? And he's like, nope. I was like, okay, good. And I'm like, I so I didn't, I think I maybe like played one more just because some of the, you know, it's like I really haven't had much, you know, opportunity to fight against Dr. Octopus other than in that and... You mean, that was the first time we had seen the Vulture, so I kind of wanted to play yeah. against him just to see how he worked. Because we really haven't had a chance to get him until, like, this week. Yeah, I, I mean, I really like that Spider-Man event just because the, the you know, they, they the the villains all had special twerks on their powers. You know, and it, it, it was a fun, a fun, fun play. And if I could get those more often, you know, I think the game would be a little bit more fun and a little bit less grindy. Um, but, like, you know, the, the, the story event where you could get Vulture... I think with an hour left, I had because uh, I was also trying to play my D and D campaign at the same time, so I had ground it down to where everything was worth like one point, and I think I was fifty second or something. Put the iPad down, picked it back up an hour later when the when it ended, and I finished in over two hundred. So in an hour, I dropped one hundred and fifty spots and didn't get a vulture. <laughs> I'm yes. like, this is insane. Yeah, see, I think I'm going to try and grind through this Hulk event because sort of like halfway through, you get two Vulture covers. Yep. So I yeah, think... Yeah, the game for me has gotten... To, I will always get the progression covers, 
I have almost given up on high placement in things. Like, there, there's so many players who can dedicate apparently way more time to this game than I can that I, I can't finish in placement anymore. I just... My problem just is that PvP has to... Ha, it, there's, no, there's now only a finite amount of time I want to play this game every day. Yeah. And it's like, I have to do my Deadpool... I mean, usually my Deadpool dailies I do in the morning right before I go to bed because I can get, like, almost all of them done, like, in a half hour. So that yeah. so then I wake up and it's done for the day. Yep. So then it's just, you know, I got to... You know, I have my PvP responsibilities that I have to do, and so I try now to play, like... I do, like, three or four matches, and then I go and do something else, or, like, I do them while I'm eating lunch... And then it's like, if I have to go to work, you know, if I can, like, sneak in playing a couple times here and a couple times there. You know, I just, I don't really have the patience to sit down and play, like, 15, 20 matches in a row anymore. You know, it's like, I've, I just, I looked while we were talking, and, you know, today is 1,302. Wow. So, yeah, like, I just got... I just got a Kate Bishop the other day for day 1300. Uh, let me see. Let me check Ryan real quick. Uh, today for me was day 1070. So you're way ahead. You're almost a year ahead. I know that... I think for a while I may have... I think for a while I was like the senior person in our alliance, but then once we split and we added a lot of whales, that I think there are a handful of people that are now longer... Cause, and the thing is, mine would actually be longer, but I was playing it for a while, and then I had that weird um, thing where you're trying to switch devices with Facebook, and I ended up, like, resetting my game. So I probably lost, like, 30 or 40 days, probably. Hmm. But, yeah, yeah, and I'm still at 1,300. Yeah, it's like, I think I'm at 1,300 in this game, and I think in the the Star Trek Match 3 game, I think I'm now, like, at... 670 or something like that. So there's a couple that, like, I have, like, this hardcore long-term... Did, did you try the WWF one? I, I, do the, I, I do the WWF one. There are so many um, things that bother me. About, like, I, I play that a couple times a day, not nearly as much as I play Puzzle Quest, but the thing that really sucks about the WWF game, compared to Marvel Puzzle Quest, is you just cannot easily get new characters. It's like, you know, I and I have like 30, 35 characters by now, but it's like... Yeah, but they're all Roman Reigns. Well, well, well there's the thing where there's like three Roman Reigns and there's three Seth Rollins and there's like three D Mambroses and two Rocks and two John Cena's and... Like, I, I don't know who, who got to intellectually approve what characters were okay for that game, but boy, did they miss an opportunity. Like, they should have come out with. I understand you want to mix in some of your current people, but man, you 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 needed to have the classics in there. You know, if you could have gotten, you know, a, a junkyard dog with a Jimmy Snuka and like, give me some give me some classic characters. Well, the I the mean, problem the, the game would be a lot better. The problem is there's a lot of them now. It's just it's so hard to get them because the only time you can really get them is like. If you collect, like, enough tokens that you can cash them in, but there's, like, absolutely no guarantee you're, you, like, you're more likely to just get four or five more covers of, 
And it's not even like, you know, Cena or Rock. It's like, oh, five more covers of Darren Young or five more covers of Gold Dust. And it's like, I don't think I've got, I think I got like one of the many Seth Rollinses, I think like a, two or three weeks ago. And that was like the first character I had new got in a while. Like they, they did a thing a couple months ago where they basically just said, you know, hey, if you were to pay like, Three ninety nine or four ninety nine, it's like you can have like Andre, you know, or somebody like that. So I only have, I think I have three what would be like old school classic characters. Like I, I have like Orndorff, John Studd, and Andre, which is actually good because, oh. well, what's good about that is they're in a stable, so they get tag team bonuses when you play them together. But you know it. It's like every couple of days, like, you know, they have a pop-up that says, hey, you can get X in the, you know, it's a three-star gold uh, is available in, you know, the vault if you cash in, blah, blah, blah. But then you finally get enough and you cash in, and you're just like, oh, more covers of this one star that I have. Like, right. I think, like, today, you know, they're, like, offering Shane McMahon. And, you know, like, a couple of days ago, it was... Well, I think they were doing, like, old old school versus new school or whatever, so... It's like you're fighting against these characters in the game that, like, I've never even... You know, like... You know, like, one of the bosses is, like, a tag team, so you have to fight the Hart Foundation. And it's like... I don't think I've ever seen Jim An- Anvil Neidhart even offered as a choice. It's like, you know, I've seen Brett every so often. Like, you know, Brett shows up, you know, Austin shows up, Flair shows up that you can get as a character, but it's, it's like, they sent out a survey, and I was pretty negative when I sent it in, it was just like, you know, especially compared to, like, you know, you compare it to Marvel Puzzle Quest, and, you know, we joke about, you know, how often we get Moonstone, or two-star Hawkeye, or, but, you know, still, there's a, you know, you're, I bet on an average day, if you added up all the tokens you got, or cashed in, or whatever, you probably see like ten or fifteen different characters every day over the course of the of the levels. It's not just like you know if it was you know Moonstone like if all you could get was Moonstone and Storm, you know people would stop playing because it's like enough already. Mm. Although I just, what's funny is I think today, even though I've been playing for you know thirteen hundred days, I think today was the very first time I actually championed two star Moonstone. Like, for the for the longest time, I just never, I would always sell her. I never, you know, yeah. when, when like, space was... for at least a year. <laughs> when, when, when space was at, you know, her or, you know, One Star Black Widow or... Yeah. Like, there's certain characters I just never kept. And now, unfortunately, with, like, the, the Daily Deadpool, you sort of need everybody. Because they come, you know, because they come up in the rotation. So this is, I think, I mean, although I sold... I did have a Bagman, but I sold him when I needed a roster spot for, like, a four-star, five-star, one of the new ones. So I was like, and I didn't have the the hip, the hero point. So I'm like, I don't need Bagman. He doesn't, you know, he's not a required character. But, I mean, I would have liked to have had him, but just yeah. to sit there. But, yeah, it wasn't until that that this is, like, the first time I've actually had... I think the only characters I don't have now, other than the one-stars... Like, I haven't gotten a Dr. Octopus yet. I haven't gotten five-star Spidey yet. And I refuse to roster Carnage. 
So I think those are like my only three now. Carnage. Carnage is Medusa's best friend. I. Yeah. So yeah. So right now I'm missing Doctor Octopus, Five Star Spidey, Carnage, Vulture, Bagman, and then the One Stars. Yeah, my the only one star I have is Iron Man because, you know, you really only need one Iron, you only need one one star, and he's yeah. never, he's never an opponent, so you don't have to worry about him, being unusable. No, well, they, they just... got they got rid of that, um, which I didn't like, but that's not a problem anymore. But yeah, it just I it's like one I don't like Carnage the character, you know, and two it just I hate playing with him because one you know it's a self-harming character and two it it honestly and why i think he, i think he's just he's a slow character he's one of those characters that when you play it seems like it takes forever yeah see i i always play him with medusa and thanos and the, the medusa tends to you know you end up generating so many temp hit points um that when thanos when court death goes off you rarely actually take real damage um, and then once you save up 10, uh, 10 or more red, uh, Carnage's symbiote size is actually really, really damaging. Um, and it's usually good to kill someone. You know, so then you court death with that. And it's, I mean, I can play with the three of those and go for, you know, an hour at least without using health packs. Just playing them over and over and over again. Yeah, but it's like, but, you, it's, it's like you said, but, Thanos is such a is such a game changer because it's like I mean I'm guilty as I'm guilty as well as being one of those people that I use him in three star daily Deadpool just to get done with it. Yeah, because it's like you know it's like you kill one person he kills the other two, they rotate in he kills them and then if I'm using Black Panther he kills you know it's like yeah it, it's like a three round fight. Yeah, if you're, I, I if you're right lucky. The most abusive characters that I run into, it's it's Thanos, Medusa, and Carol. I think right now are really seem to be mopping up in the uh, in the power ranks. They're they're all really devastating. Cool. And you guys are coming up on an anniversary episode. Is it is it next week? Yeah. So this week is episode ninety nine uh, tomorrow, and then next week will be one hundred. Uh, I don't have all the details to release, but the thought is that will be more of a live event. Uh, you know, we do our show live kind of, you know, nowadays, uh, we, we broadcast it on YouTube and then, uh, we take input via discord, uh, cause our, uh, one of our, uh, you know, interweb friends set up a discord server, uh, for the puzzle warriors. And, uh, you know, there's a fair amount of people now that have jumped in that including our friends over at Demiurge. So we uh, we take questions and things kind of live as we go, uh, but this one uh, we hope to uh, to have some of the you know developers back on, and we're going to try and maybe do more of a live sort of Q&A is, uh, is the goal, so that players, you know, because we, we've, we've talked to the developers multiple times and kind of fielded questions from people a few weeks ahead of time and passed them on. But we're hoping to do more of a live event where people can kind of ask uh, what they want and get an immediate answer. Um, so hopefully that that's the goal. And it, if all goes well, uh, some in-game prizes might be coming your way if you've got good questions. That's cool. Yeah, I never get the chance to listen live because I'm usually working or doing something else yeah. during that time. So it's like, which, it, you know, it's fine. It, it's that thing where it's like, you know, I'm not, I would, you know, I'm a, 
I'm a fan of the show, but I'm not one of the like hardcore super fans of the show. <laughs> yeah, we got a few that uh, are hilarious. And and the thing is, like, I don't, I don't do Reddit, so it's like, you know, in the I you know, I usually post on the website or like I'll I'll like tweet something to the account, but it's like, you know, it's like I don't do the the Marvel Puzzle Quest forum and I don't do Reddit, so I'm like. You know, it's like Ray never reads my emails because it's like I know there's so there's so many in all the other places that I'm like eh, it's like I think I, I think like every so often one slips through. Uh, that, that's funny because that uh, we we've joked about this that Ian prefer Ian that Ray prefers to uh, to steal things off of off the D3 forums on Reddit than to uh, plow through uh, you know all the emails. Um, but that's funny. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so people can can look forward to but, that. Yeah, it's uh, usually uh, nine o'clock Eastern. Um, I think if you go to our webpage, puzzlewarriors3.com, you can jump on. There's a link to the Discord server, and uh, you know, if you want to come on and be a part of the hundredth episode, uh, happy to have whoever can join. Cool. Um, I want to thank you, Craig, for for yeah. doing the show and putting up with our technical difficulties. Yeah. I know. I got, I, got a, I got a quick question for you. Sure. All time wrestling. Yes. Who's your favorite? Uh, person overall or actual wrestler? Person well, over as, as a wrestler, like oh, you know, no, because uh, I would, because like ever since I was a kid, my favorite has always been has always been Cornette, because I was I was a uh, fat kid that wore glasses and played tennis. When I discovered wrestling in like 1985, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm like, and you know he was funny and smart, and he was a bad guy, so he he, he ticked all of these boxes. Yep. Um, as a wrestler, um, I'm I'm tempted to say like the I would tempted just to say the Midnight Express. Um, you know I was always like I so was WCW was a, was big on you. I well see here's the weird thing. That I did not start watching until I was like 15, so I did not have this thing where I watched as a kid and you know had the had the Santa Claus moment and all this other stuff. Like I knew everything already when like I started watching. So I was like, one of my friends finally. I don't know why it happened, but it was like I started and then like. We watched WWF for like two or three weeks, and then after that, he, um, we started watching the NWA, and I much preferred the NWA style to the WWF style. So I'm always sort of, I'm traditionally like more of a like work rate action person rather than a character story. It's it's sort of weird. I like both, and now like I only really watch Lucha, which is almost more sort of pageant and wackiness more than like the wrestling is still good but again it's because it's lucha it's a different style than american right. wrestling it's a different style than japanese wrestling so i would probably i would probably say midnight express and then and then maybe like flare like the horseman after that probably and then it, it's it's also the kind of thing that it changes over time. It depends on, because like when I went to college, that was like when I started getting the newsletters and we started. I started getting Japanese stuff, 
And it was funny, I was telling somebody this recently, that we would watch, when when we were, when I was in college, so this is like the late 80s at, at Indiana, that um, people would make fun of, you know, like, if we were watching, like, NWA or WWF, people would be like, yeah. oh, this... But it's like if we put in like a Japanese tape of like New Japan, All Japan, or like showed them like Jushin Liger, they're like, oh, this is completely different. This stuff's actually cool. So it's funny that like we actually started converting people to watch, like, you know, ever so often guys would like stop by our room and they'd be like, do you have any of that new, do you have any new Japanese stuff for that, that wrestling stuff? And so, you know, we would like go down to the lounge and watch it or whatever. Right. I mean, you kind of got the you know the the love hate over time with McMahon, right? Like, you have I, to give him some credit for really bringing wrestling more accessible on television and stuff. Well, but at the same time, as he started buying up all the franchises, he ruined it for me. Like he he killed all the individualism. Like it, everything became the same. It you know it it, it lost a lot to me once once ECW fell. What's funny? I, I, I was I was pretty much done with with television and wrestling. What's funny is that if you actually sort of looked at the numbers, like a lot more people watched wrestling, like in the seventies and eighties, if you add up all the territories around the country, right? Then the like sort of, I mean, Raw is probably down maybe to like three or four million people at most, and if you think about, you know. Like the in Memphis when they had their live Saturday morning show um, on regular TV in Memphis, they had like two or three thousand people who watched that show every week just in Memphis. So you know you add up all the people that watched in Memphis, and then you watch all the people that watched in the Carolinas that watched the NWA, and the people that like watched Mid South and in Louisiana and Oklahoma, and all the people that watched the Von Erichs in Texas and the AWA and Florida, you know, like when you started adding all of those people up, it's sort of like, you know, wrestling is more accepted now, but it's, it's a much, it's a much more niche thing. Everybody knows about it, but like people who are actually, you know, hardcore fans or whatever, like there's a much, in a way it's like comics that is one of the hundreds of ways comics and wrestling, wrestling are similar that, you know, like even in the 70s and 80s with comics when they were still in the newsstand, you know, you had, you know, X-Men or, you know, like Batman were selling 500, 600,000 copies. And it's like now it takes a very special comic to sell more than like 100,000. Right. I mean, not not counting like weird um, promotions or whatever or selling books for... Like, the first issue of, like, Marvel Star Wars, I think, sold, like, a million copies, but, you know, they that got put in those, like, those, uh, those box deals, you know, like, a bunch of people had Star Wars boxes, they included Marvel number one, so all those companies bought comics from Diamond, and, you know, they sold those in Disney stores, so that's an, you know, but, you know, comics are lucky probably now to, to sell, you know, high five figures it's like you know when we were talking about rebirth and stuff like that you know that spiked things a little but you know like new 52 spiked things up so like that was like the first time like dc had ever beaten marvel i think like in the diamond sales charts 
Right. But then it started going back down, and then now they have this new one that's sort of high, but it's probably still gradually eroding. But you know, Marvel, like Marvel and DC's like low-selling books are, you know, like under ten thousand copies now. Whereas like the best-selling books would have been canceled, like right, like the first time the numbers came in in the seventies in the newsstand era. But then again, those comics were thirty-five cents, whereas. You know they're being four ninety nine now or whatever. Yeah, so, like, I, have, I have I have a fair amount in a box of you know old uh, like Sergeant Rock comics and things like that. You know, and they're you know dime comics back in the day. You know, and were really great great World War Two stories and were fun to read. But you know once I you know when, when I quit reading X Men, I think it had gotten up to buck and a quarter maybe per issue. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, you had to go to so many books, I was like, I just can't do this anymore. The worst time, the worst time of all when I was a kid, just from a math perspective, was I think it was like in the late, mid to late 80s, is that Marvel books went from like 50 cents to 65 cents. Because that's, that's complicated math for a kid to do. Yeah. It's like $65, 30. All right, $1.95 for three. Right. I mean, I mean, the one advantage, yeah, see, the one advantage that I had was I was buying books in Delaware, so I didn't have sales tax, so it was like, so that math was at least, yeah, it was, yeah. You'd be in Pennsylvania, and then you got to add 6%, and that's not an easy number to keep adding on to things either, so. Well, that was, it's funny, too, because, like, people were shot, when I worked in a store in the late 90s, that, like, sort of during the boom, there were there were seven comic book shops just in Newcastle County, Delaware. Wow. And, but I mean, it was funny because they all sort of kind of specialized in a way. Like there was a store that did more like sort of adult books, and then there was a store that did sort of more back issues. And like the store that I worked in was in Newark, so it was in the so it was in Newark. So we had like university people. So we had. Like, just regular books, but we also had, like, a lot of people buying Vertigo stuff and Independence and whatnot, and, like, we were an indie-friendly store. But it was just it was just so weird to think about. And then, like, we had a, another branch of our store that was in Wilmington. So it was just weird, because, you know, and there were, like, some of the Philly stores that we would go to had, like, four or five branches, like, all, like, in different suburbs around the city, and now it's, like... You know, some of those stores are down to like two. You know, like like there used to there used to be like two different comic stores in, like on South Street in Philly, which is just weird. It's like you know, do we really need two comic? You know, because I mean they kind of like had different markets, so they really didn't overlap that much. Like one was sort of like an alt alt store, and one was like a regular store. But yeah, it's weird. And then you know there were there used to be a bunch of good stores. Not quite out your way, but sort of like yeah, like there've always been good stores like in in Lancaster and York and Harrisburg. You know, they have a bunch of good stores up there. And I know, you know, there used to be a bunch of good stores out in your neck of the woods, so Yeah, in State College we have we just have one in the area. I don't think there's one in any there's probably one in Altoona. But I, if there is, I don't know where it is, but I mean, Comic Swap downtown has been around, well, since I moved to Penn State 
in 1993. Um, so it, it's always been there, you know, since. Um, there used to be more than one comic book store, especially when, you know, the magic was booming around that time. Uh, you know, 94, 95, when magic got really big. There were a lot of, you know, pseudo comic book gaming stores uh, that popped up, which were primarily making the living off selling magic cards and magic tournaments and that sort of stuff. Yeah, the store, the store where I used to work, we also did baseball cards because, like, the owner was a big baseball guy, so we had that. And I remember, yeah, when I was in Bloomington, I think there were like five stores. I think. Yeah, there were like two downtown. There was like one north of the city, and then like one west of the city, and another couple ones. And then like when I was in Bowling Green, there was one store in town that sold comics, but we were told not to shop there by one of our professors because the guy was kind of a jerk. So so every week we drove to so we just drove to Toledo because that's only like a half an hour. So, but there used to be like five or six stores, I think, when when we used to go there. So, yeah, it's, it's I mean, I don't know how many, I remember, I think when I used to, when I was like working in the business, I think there were, I think we were down to like 3,000 stores then. So, I don't even know what the number is now. And, of course, it's like you've got between eBay and now getting stuff digitally, it's like you really don't. You really don't even, I mean, I've sort of gotten to the point when, like, I'd much prefer, like, weekly. Like, I'd rather just get my stuff digitally just because of how much space it saves. I mean, I'm, I went from having, like, 50, 60 long boxes down to, like, maybe two or three because it's like all of those books would now fit on my hard drive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, a hard drive the size of my phone could hold all of my, you know, like, 50,000 of my comics. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like doing halfway. Like I get, I get Future Quest and Lucifer, digital, but the other stuff I'm reading right now, I, I go down to the store every Wednesday and buy on paper. Yeah, see, I generally speaking, like tomorrow since I'm off, I will like go to one of the local stores to sort of browse, and then buy like if there's something weird or if there's something done by a friend of mine. They're like, I want to make sure they, there's a physical sale. But otherwise, I'll just wait and I'll come home and I'll just go to Comicology and I'll get everything else. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, so much, it's so much easier. And plus, like, you know, iPads are really like the perfect size to read comics because it's pretty yeah. much 100%. It's just, you know, you lose the feel of reading, com you know, reading the comics. And, I, you know, I still like doing that, but... Yeah, it's sort of hard to beat ease and convenience sometimes. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously that's also why they charge you the same price for the digital one as for the paper copy. Well, that's also <laughs> to make that's also to keep the retailers happy. I mean, there's really right. no there's no reason they should cost the same price. It's like you know we just did the new issue of the magazine, and you know I think that's stupid. So it's like print like a print issue is five dollars and a digital copy is three dollars. Yeah. You know, I'm like it's half. And there's no postage, and it's like it's it's me sending you a PDF. Right. You know, what I mean, so you're sort of paying for the you know you're paying for the content, but you're not paying for all the other bells and whistles. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, comics world same. I mean, you've got all the printing and all the shipping and the transport and you know all the shelf space and so on and so on. You know, 
yeah, I get it. They don't want to. They don't. You know, the, the, you are right. I mean, the comic book store is kind of kind of dying. And if if they suddenly make all digital books two dollars or something, then I think you'll see a lot. Of, you'd see a lot more people abandon print copies and kill a lot of small businesses. So, well, uh, I want to thank you again. Hopefully, we can have you back. Yeah, I um, you enough. Sorry. No, no, no. I mean, it's fine. And we went like we went like twice as long as as I sort of I sort of asked, and it was like, you know, I was expecting you know like like a cartoon '60s TV show digression. I I was ready for that. I was ready for I was ready for us to talk hockey, and we didn't really get oh. to. The, of course, it's also summer. I really don't want to talk about hockey right now. Anyway, I mean, you do because your team won. That's all you need to know is that there's nothing better than the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that's a, you know, uh, that's absolutely. the story. See, I mean, see, I'm a Red Wings fan, so it's like we're down right now, but it's like, I mean, when I started following hockey, they were terrible, like bottom of the basement terrible. Yeah. And then we had like 25 years of making the playoffs and like four or five cups. So now that we're bad again, I really can't complain. It's like we had our moment in the sun. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, the the, the Pens will be back there once. Uh, I mean, we we you know we had uh, the Savior came when Lemieux showed up, and then uh, you know we were able to roll you know get a few championships there. Uh, you know, with, they got lucky, they got Yager to play with Mario at the same time. You know, had some great great teams. You know, they got to roll that into the into the first pick and get Crosby. Um, that kind of kept the franchise alive. Uh, once Crosby leaves. I think it might it might turn turn dismal in Pittsburgh for a little while. But you've got your cups, so yeah, that's what matters. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, plus I'm, I'm primarily a football fan, mostly. So if the Steelers can win one more uh, one more championship, all will be fine. Well, I was say there's this, definitely a story for another day because I uh, <laughs> I no I I I have given up I gave up football for a, a long laundry list of reasons that isn't really important right now, but, like, I do not, I no longer patronize, like, I really pretty much only watch, like, baseball and hockey and soccer now. So those are, like, my three, my three things. So, because it also doesn't help that I was a Lions fan. Mm-hmm. So I've ha- I had, like, one brief uh, moment of, of happiness as a fan, which was almost worse than just being bad because they were good and would get almost to the top and then lose comically, which is almost worse than, you know, they had one. I mean, you did have the window there where you had the greatest running back I've ever seen. Well, see, he played in a lot of really bad teams. Well, see, you know, what's what's funny about that is I actually don't think that like, I I think he was Barry Sanders. I think he was very, he was very talented. He was, uh, the problem with, with being a fan is like, if you watch SportsCenter, you got to see Barry's 75-yard runs, but you did not see all of Barry's minus one, minus two, one, minus one. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a play... I mean, that, that, that you have to expect on a team that's not very good, and he's touching the ball 45 times a game. Like, this, you know, the, the one, to get him once in a while. Yeah, the one I always tell, like, the two memories that I have of, like, sort of the, the peak Lions era was... One, they made it to the championship game and then lost 45 to nothing. And then they lost a playoff game to their hated rival, uh, 
Uh, and I had to watch that game in grad school with a room full of Packer fans. Oh. And and that and and Sanders had n- negative yardage that day. Yeah. So it's like those are my like my overlasting my overlasting memories of being. A f- you know, yes, there were a lot of really fun games in there, but like. The bad ones are the ones. It's it's like gambling. It's like you remember your bad beats, you don't remember your good beats. But uh, yeah, so thanks thanks again. Yeah, people no, can. I, I appreciate you bringing me on. Like I said, I'd I'd like to ramble, as you can tell. Feel free to edit me something fierce. But no, uh, no we'll yeah, do it again. And uh, you know, sometime we got to get you on to talk about Puzzle Quest. I yeah, you said if it's a week where I am not working, I would I would love to come on the show. So yeah, whenever we can arrange it, that'd be cool. But, yeah, like I said, generally, yeah, we'll have to work out something. Uh, like I said, hopefully we'll have the, a bigger episode for next week, uh, and then we'll probably try and get back to more of a regular stuff. But, yeah, we'll figure out something. Like I said, normally recording time is Wednesdays at 9, so if we can uh, work out something with you sometime, it'll be fun. Just wanted to take a quick second here at the end of the show to give our respects to both George Romero and Martin Landau, who passed away this week. We hope to have more about their careers in a future episode. George Romero is, of course, the father of the zombie movies, but he did so much more, including working on such diverse things as North by Northwest with Alfred Hitchcock and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Martin Landau played my favorite character on my favorite television show, and that is Rollin Hand on the original Mission Impossible TV series. He, of course, did so much more, including being in Space 1999, more recently, people will remember him from playing Bell Lugosi in Ed Wood. No, we are not going to play that clip here. Like I said, we certainly hope to have more about one or both of them in an upcoming episode. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.